You're listening to Comedy Central. In the weeks since protests began following the murder of George Floyd, the movement has been more successful than many people could have imagined. 53% of American voters now say that they support Black Lives Matter, when only two years ago, it was around 40%. Multiple major corporations in America have now said that they are actively going to diversify their workplace and hire Black people who they've previously discriminated against for so long. And millions of white Americans are now desperately trying to find a second black friend. But one of the biggest shifts in America is something the country has been resisting for 155 years. Over at the Capitol, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is calling for nearly a dozen Confederate statues to be removed from that building, saying they pay homage to hate. At a rally in Richmond, a statue of Confederate President Jefferson Davis was pulled down last night. The face smashed in before it was towed away in pieces. NASCAR's Bubba Wallace racing last night with the hashtag Black Lives Matter painted on his car. The race starting hours after NASCAR banned the Confederate flag. That was a huge pivotal moment for the sport. A lot of bad- Backlash, but it, it creates doors and allows the community to come together as one. Yeah, from Congress all the way to NASCAR, all over the country, people are asking the question, is it finally time to let go of the Confederacy? And I think it's really impressive that NASCAR is doing this because the Confederate flag is extremely popular with a lot of their fans. In fact, just to soften the blow, here's maybe what they should do ban the fans from bringing the flag to the races, but then incorporate it into the race itself, you know? So like, if you win the race, they wave the checkered flag, and then for the loser, they wave the Confederate flag. Yeah, that way everybody wins. The one thing that does confuse me though is, why did Congress have Confederate statues in the first place? I mean, the Confederacy fought against America, so why would you have statues of them in America's Capitol building? It makes no sense. That's like white ladies having statues of gluten in their kitchen. And I'll show you a funny picture of what that would look like, but I still have no idea what gluten actually is. I mean, it's a little insane how it feels like the government treats actual traitors better than black citizens. George Floyd maybe had a $20 bill that was counterfeit. He gets choked to death. The president of the Confederacy was responsible for half a million dead Americans. And the response is, well, let's ask the quarry for the finest piece of marble. We gotta remember this guy. So more than 150 years after the Civil War, the winning side is finally deciding it doesn't need to keep celebrating the side that tried to destroy them. And one step that the Pentagon is considering is renaming military bases that are named after Confederate officers. You know, names like Fort Bragg in North Carolina, Fort Hood in Texas, and Fort Slave Catcher in Georgia. I don't even know how they let that one pass. But what's interesting is that while the military thinks that this symbolic move can help race relations in the ranks, the commander in tweet strongly disagrees. U.S. military leaders have expressed a willingness to discuss renaming bases named after Confederate generals. But tonight, President Trump says that won't happen, saying they are part of a great American heritage. In a tweet from the president, he writes, the United States of America trained and deployed our heroes on these hallowed grounds and won two world wars. Therefore, my administration will not even consider the renaming of magnificent and fabled military installations. You know, part of me thinks Trump is doing this because he's trying to appeal to his Confederate loving base. The other part of me thinks he's doing it because he thinks Fort Bragg is named after him. Never been humble, so powerful, I'm the best. 
They say that I brag better than everybody. But as usual, like, Trump's logic makes no sense. Because America didn't win World War II because of the names of those bases, right? America won World War II because Tom Hanks found Matt Damon. That was the turning point. Like, you can call the base whatever you want. It's not gonna determine how effectively your soldiers are gonna fight. America isn't gonna be losing to Russia in World War III like, we should have never renamed those bases! That was our secret weapon! Oh! And I, I, I know for some people this debate might seem inconsequential, but you gotta understand. The reason the military generals are open to changing the names of these bases is the same reason that NASCAR's doing it. They want the military to take a unified stand against racism. And they wanna show that the American military stands for all Americans, including the millions of minorities who have served within its ranks. Because take a second, just take a second, and imagine being a black soldier training at a base that is named after somebody who didn't even think of you as a human being. That isn't just offensive to those soldiers, it's offensive to the Confederate generals too. Because I mean, imagine if they came back and saw what was happening at a base that is named after them. My God, all of the slaves have guns. You know, with all these protests sweeping across America, people have been comparing this moment to the civil rights movement of the 1960s. And much like the 1960s, law enforcement officers have met these calls to end police brutality with even more police brutality. Across the country, peaceful protests have too often devolved into standoffs with heavily armed police using military-style tactics. Flashbangs, tear gas, rubber bullets, helicopters, armored vehicles. Law enforcement in riot gear approach a barrier. Protesters on the other side, hands up in the air, chanting, don't shoot. But that's exactly what they did, shooting tear gas and rubber bullets. The threat of terrorism after 9-11 convinced many departments to stock up. Now, those departments are facing off against their own citizens. Just take a moment to think about that. The police department got this heavy duty equipment to fight terrorists. That's why they got the equipment post 9-11. And now they're using it against Americans who are exercising their right to protest. And I'm, I'm sorry, what about these people screams terrorists to you? Like maybe I've forgotten my history, but I don't remember the part where Al-Qaeda attacked America with cardboard signs. And an argument I've heard some people make is that the only reason the police are doing this is because the protesters are looting or being violent. That's what they say. No, they're doing this because the people are violent. But as happens so often, the police's story never matches the actual footage. Because for the past week, the internet has been full of videos of police officers attacking protesters with no provocation whatsoever. Caught on camera from coast to coast, alleged excessive force by police officers. Attacks against protesters who were demonstrating against police brutality. In New York, police drove a vehicle into a crowd of people protesting there. 
In Los Angeles, police swing batons at people who witnesses say were simply standing with their hands up. A New York police officer caught on camera pushing a woman who was demonstrating. An officer pulling a man's face mask off and spraying him with pepper spray. This unsettling image of an officer kicking a woman who was maced. Caught on camera, a protester run over by an HPD mounted patrol unit at the height of the protests. We as black people deal with this every day. Black and brown people are treated brutally every day. I don't care who you are, those images have to be upsetting to watch. Because these images are the antithesis of what America is supposed to stand for, right? This is supposed to be the country where you have the freedom to say whatever you want, a democracy, right? You can say whatever you want, whether it's Black Lives Matter or let's all drink bleach. The government is not supposed to physically punish you for that. And that hasn't always been the case in America, but that is the ideal, right? When people were protesting in Michigan, saying that they wanna go out, they wanna go back to work, they wanna get haircuts, they don't care about the coronavirus, they weren't getting beaten up. And that's what America is, the freedom to protest. And the freedom to protest isn't the only American ideal that the police have been trying to suppress lately. It seems like they've been really making a concerted effort to go after the free press. More than 300 journalists have faced press freedom violations. Across the United States, the camera is rolling when law enforcement seem to be targeting journalists. I am press. Please. We identified ourselves as press and they um, fired tear gas canisters on us at point blank range. This Australian cameraman and reporter were shoved and hit while live on air. Police now advancing on protest. Oh my gosh, I'm getting shot, I'm getting... In Louisville, pepper balls fired at a crew on live TV. Who were they aiming that at? At us, like directly at us. Yeah, those videos or what's happening in America right now. Cops are just openly firing tear gas and pepper bullets and everything on journalists. I mean, I can't blame them. If I was doing the shit that the police have been doing, I wouldn't want anyone recording it either. So the police are attacking unarmed protesters, defenseless reporters. I mean, at this point, you might be wondering, is there anyone? Is there anyone non-threatening enough that the police would not get violent with them? And what we're learning is that the answer is no. A Salt Lake City police officer in full riot gear using his shield to push an elderly man with a cane. The man falls face first onto the ground. Two officers in Buffalo, New York, pushing a 75-year-old man who falls to the ground, hits his head, and starts bleeding. None of the officers in the video appear to help him. I don't care how many times I see that video, I will never get used to it. Because it's bad enough that these cops push an old man who's walking over to them. But the fact that they walk over him, they walk past him while he's bleeding out on the sidewalk. Like, who are you protecting and serving if not that old man? And think about it. These were just two that were caught on video. Now, as usual, when videos like this come out, the excuse is always the same. People always want to defend those police by saying, those are just a couple of bad apples. That is not, that is not a signifier, that is, that is not representative of the entire police department. The only issue is that argument falls apart when you see what happened after they pushed this old man to the ground. 
A police statement released before the footage was posted online said only that a man tripped and fell. But after the video surfaced, the police commissioner ordered an internal affairs investigation and the immediate suspension of the officers without pay. As the officers leave the courthouse, cheers from a crowd of fellow officers and law enforcement. In another show of support, all 57 members of the Buffalo Emergency Response Team resigned, but they remain on the police force. Think about this for a second. Not only did the police department try to cover up what happened, not only did they try and lie about something that we all saw on camera, but once the truth got out and those cops were punished, the entire team resigned to protest those police being held accountable. In fact, they even showed up at the courthouse to cheer them on as they came out. What are you cheering? That Buffalo is finally safe? from old men walking around in public? What are you cheering? What are you cheering? The fact that you've come out? The fact that you stayed... Like, it's a scary thing to think about. What are they cheering for? And something I think people need to understand about the police is that, in a way, they have the same code that a gang does, in that, above all, you are loyal to your crew. That is a culture that is within every police department. And that's the heart of this issue. If good police are willing to look the other way or even join in when the bad police abuse their powers, you can make new rules and regulations all you want, but it won't matter. America's not gonna be able to fix this problem until we have police whose first priority is protecting and serving the people instead of protecting and serving themselves. You know, With states opening up and people protesting in the streets, a lot of the public feel like coronavirus is over. The only problem is nobody told coronavirus. America's COVID-19 pandemic has passed another terrible milestone. As of this morning, more than 2 million Americans have tested positive for the coronavirus. More than 112,000 of them have died. The head of Harvard's Global Health Institute said yesterday, the U.S. death toll could reach 200,000 in September. Earlier this week, 16 states reported an increase in average new COVID-19 cases compared to two weeks ago. At least 14 states have seen a rise in current hospitalizations since Memorial Day, including Texas, where hospitalizations jumped 42%. In Arizona, hospital capacity is at 83%. State data shows the usage of ventilators, ICU beds, and intubations at all-time highs. You know, I can't say this for certain because I'm not like a scientist, but I feel like coronavirus grew up with a father who never loved it. Because right now, it's working really hard to prove itself. I mean, 200,000 deaths by September? Coronavirus is attacking America so hard, half of the country is going to want to put up a statue of it. And look, there are many reasons that Americans are taking the pandemic less seriously. But one of those reasons might be the fact that the people running the country barely seem to be thinking about it anymore at all. I mean, they haven't held a corona press conference to update the public in weeks. Like... I don't know where the country officially stands. Do you? Are we winning? Are we losing? Can we go back outside? Can we sneeze on the buffet again? Like, what's happening? And it doesn't help that yesterday, just yesterday, the head of the coronavirus task force did this. Vice President Mike Pence has deleted his tweet showing campaign staff ditching coronavirus safety recommendations. He posted the tweet last night showing him with a large group of Trump re-election campaign staffers with 
no social distancing or face masks. That despite the fact that these are the recommendations of the coronavirus task force that is led by Pence. You see, this is the problem. How do you expect the public to take things seriously when you yourself are not taking it seriously? You tell people to wear masks, but then you're raw-dogging the air. You tell people to social distance, but then you guys are crammed together like, like, uh, like those tiny fish. Like the fish inside the, the, the can, the, um, God, the, the fish, you know the fish, they, they got the smell, the, the, ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. God damn it. The, anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Because it's clear to see America's battle against COVID, sardines! It was sardines. You're packed together in a room like sardines. Ah! Look, the point is, America's botched coronavirus response is just one of the reasons that 74% of Americans now feel like the country is on the wrong track. And I don't blame them. Police are beating up protesters in the streets. Millions of people are unemployed. And Georgia couldn't even hold a primary election without making people wait in lines for hours. Clearly, American democracy is failing, which means there's only one thing to do. What if I told you about a country in crisis? A country ravaged by disease. Where the economy has collapsed. Where soldiers patrol the streets. A government gasses its own people. And the lines to vote are longer than the bathroom line at Coachella. Now, what if I told you that country is America? Black twist! That's the Shyamalan. Admit it. America is a failed state. America needs a return to democracy. And if it's one thing America knows, it's when a country needs democracy, you invade it. It's time for someone to invade the United States. Specifically, Canada. That's right. We're asking the good people of Canada to invade us. Please. Please. Please invade us. Please invade us, for the love of God. Wait, what do y'all pray to up there? Y'all pray to a moose? We're not asking for a donation. We're asking for an invasion. Some of our states are already basically Canadian. Uh, Minnesota, <laughs> Maine, the, the non-Detroit parts of Michigan. We're right next to you. Just invade us for the weekend and see if you like it. Come on. No new languages to learn. It's English, but with a slightly more normal accent. And to my fellow Americans, why would we not want Canada to invade us? We'll still have racism, but it'll be polite. Canadian racism with a smile. In Canada, we apologize for making fun of you so much. We're so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so, I'm, I'm so, Y'all make it easy. We're just jealous of your functioning healthcare system, which, if you don't mind, bring that with you. <laughs> we did great under our last black president. We're willing to try yours. And on top of all that, I want to f a Canadian. I want to f a Canadian. We, we want, want to, to Canadians. So if you agree that Canada should spread democracy to the United States, if you're ready to see Canada's military Zambonis roam the streets of our great nation, go to dailyshow.com slash invade us, sign the petition, and share with your friends. If enough of us ask and we do it politely, they can't say no. While all of this racial reckoning is going on, it's really easy to forget that this is also an election year. Last night, Democrats and Republicans lined up to vote in Georgia's primary elections. And when I say lined up, I mean they lined up. 
Today, voters in Georgia were met with long lines and confusion at polling places as they tried to cast ballots in the state's primary elections. From the air, you could see long lines of Georgia voters, socially distanced, stretching through parking lots. Voters reported standing in the hot sun for up to four hours. An extremely long wait. I've seen lots of people leave, you know, they don't, don't have it, understanding employers. we got to do better when it comes to voting. This is a crisis in our world to make us not exercise our right to vote. Please, God, help us. God damn, did you see those lines? That didn't look like a voting day. It looked like, like the last scene in Us. And by the way, kudos to that white woman for using her complaining superpowers to defend democracy. We need to see more of that. Instead of all these white women you see complaining that their iced tea is too cold. Because whether you're black, white, Republican, or Democrat, nobody should have to struggle to vote. I think we can all agree on that. Nobody should have to wait four hours to vote. This is an election, not the latest pair of Jordans. And that's what yesterday was. It was a struggle, an unnecessary struggle. And the reason it went wrong is because of everything. Georgia, a key battleground state in November, had rescheduled its primary twice because of the coronavirus pandemic. Health concerns kept many longtime poll workers from showing up today, leaving inexperienced volunteers to run new voting machines for the first time. Polling precincts that were at churches, assisted living centers, and senior centers had to be moved because of the coronavirus. Georgia's Secretary of State, who oversees the election, is blaming local officials, saying poll workers were not properly trained. The employees didn't understand the system. So what were they doing for all these months? All of a sudden they wake up and they say, let's have an election on Tuesday. One county official firing back at the Secretary of State, saying if there was a failure of leadership, it starts where the buck should stop at the top. Now Georgia's Secretary of State has launched an investigation ahead of November's election. You know, it's funny how America has unlimited resources to make sure that countries around the world get democracy, but then America never seems to have the resources to make sure that there's democracy in America. I mean, if Atlanta wants more voting resources, maybe they should just declare that they're a country in the Middle East. Yo, so uh, we're actually Afghanistan, Atlanta. So we, can we get some of that democracy cash? And while these issues were happening across the state of Georgia, they were especially bad in black areas. Three quarters of the people who called the hotline to complain about voting problems were black. And partly that's because out of the 53 Georgia counties where polling places have been closed since 2012, more than half have large black populations. And I mean, at this point, none of this is surprising, right? We're used to seeing this by now. In fact, smartphone data shows that in 2016, voters in black neighborhoods across the country waited at polling places 29% longer than voters in white areas. So as usual, when something goes bad in America, for black people, it gets worse. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's policing, uh, voting issues, or winter. Yeah, because the Weather Channel says it's 30 degrees, but for black people, that shit feels like negative 10. So once again, America had an election day, and once again, America had a case of severe electoral dysfunction, especially with coronavirus now in the mix. And you know, just like with coronavirus, America has an opportunity right now to heed the warnings before it's too late. Because this isn't just a problem in Georgia. Right? We've seen these issues all around the country. And if this happens again in November with the presidency at stake, best believe people are gonna be fighting over a lot more than just toilet paper. Before we go, The Daily Show and Comedy Central have been donating to three groups who are fighting against police brutality and systemic racism. 
the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, the Equal Justice Initiative, and the Bail Project. Now, if you're able to help and you would like to join in, then please go to the following link and give whatever you can. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.